Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Living Astrology with Janet Hickox and with Pia and Colin this morning. So it's time to grab your cup of coffee or your tea, sit back, and let's chat about what is happening up in the stars above. But we've already been on a good conversation here this morning talking about AI, talking about technology. And I, I mean, I feel like we could almost carry on this conversation through the whole entire hour, guys, because it's so pervasive, the uh, impact that technology is having on our lives. It definitely is. And the impact is not necessarily positive, although it masquerades as being all helpful and positive and forward movement. Not necessarily so. But I would rather listen to you about astrological <laughs> things, actually. Well, we, we do have some astrology. This happens to be one of those weekends that we don't have a terrible amount of transits going on, uh, but we have some interesting things going on. So we will definitely talk about that. But I wanted to start this morning with a recognition that I had this morning as I was looking at my, uh, you know, Pleiadian Earth calendar, uh, that somehow I missed that we moved into a Venus phase change. That was back on September 3rd. Uh, mm -hmm. on the 11 listening and uh, I didn't have time this morning to go check it out. What phase did we go into? I have to look it up. I don't remember. <laughs> Me too. It's probably at the back of the calendar here. Uh, that's lunar eclipses. But, you know, Venus, I wonder because so many things have happened to my friends and uh, people I know since. Immersion, Immersion Janet. Okay, so tell me about that, because it feels like a lot of things amped up in people's lives. Mm -hmm. um, my husband went into an eye problem. I've heard of two of my friends with pneumonia, and with uh, one of them had uh, carditis along with it, and people falling. It's crazy. So what about that might have precipitated this? I don't think it's all the Venus phase, although that certainly has something to do with it. The Venus phase of immersion means putting yourself at the heart of whatever needs to change. You really immerse yourself in whatever patterns you need to break, whatever gifts you need to focus on, you immerse yourself into it. So it's a time when Venus is not as visible in the night sky, not as visible, and we ourselves are not as outwardly visible because we're turning inwards. Interesting, because then it would seem like perhaps people who have had trouble accessing that might have been shocked in some way or awakened in some way to become more immersed in what it is that they're doing or not doing such as the case may be right absolutely absolutely, absolutely. it's an opportunity once again for people to recognize what's going on when when maybe they're either too busy or too sped up to actually do that so this is a perfect time for people to look at the symbols that, that come to us, look look at the clues, look at look at all of the the intuitive things that that we have as tools to do this kind of work that we're talking about. It, it's it's a perfect timing thing. There's something else that you triggered when you said you had a couple of friends who fell. <laughs> we are also having difficulty maintaining our balance. Colin keeps banging himself around, going around corners. I'm hitting, I'm hitting door jams, or I'm hitting when I reach to to go into a cabinet. Instead of actually grasping what I'm looking for, my knuckles are hitting the door or the shelf instead of actually doing what I think I'm reaching for. And I'm having difficulty when I go from horizontal to vertical. If I'm getting up, I am having difficulty finding my balance. I don't just snap to and balance. Larkma, our Pleiadian beloved friends, mm -hmm. have been telling us lately that the, the Earth is wobbling on its axis more than ever, and it's also shifting orbits. And with that being part of it, I think that also is playing into why people are having some physiological problems, such as the falls. Yeah. I think that's part of the picture too. I don't think it's all about Venus. No, it's not all. It's not astrological. There, there are, there are it's other. Yeah, <laughs> there are lots of other influences right now that are fortunately or unfortunately showing up. It might make it more difficult to live our lives, 
but it's giving us the impetus and the ability to grow and to change. So it's mm -hmm. one of those double-edged coins or double-edged swords where it make make it may make things more difficult, but at the same time, we may benefit from the growth spurts or the the ability to really look at what's going on inside us and outwardly. So much of this is, you know, so it's so prevalent, but it's also happening in different ways for different people. Like my husband walked out the door last night to go walk to his car to get something out of the car. He's done, done this a million times. And he ends up getting his foot caught in something and rolls down into a fall and woke up this and he laid outside for like 10 minutes. And I was like, what has taken him so long to come back into the house? But I was like, okay, well, he's probably talking to the neighbor, but no, he laid outside for 10 minutes because he couldn't get up. And I went, oh my God, why didn't you yell or say something? I would have heard you. Um, but unexpected, a pathway he's walked a million times. Nothing changed except it was dusk. It was dark, getting dark. And uh, in in my case, I'm not having those kind of instances, but I could be sitting here at my desk working away, and suddenly I feel like the world has whipped, you know, like yes. that. Um, yes. Yes. So dizzy feeling. Yes, yes, we both feel that too. I think sensitive people are having all kinds of feelings about whoa, where am I? What, what's going on here? Mm -hmm. And most people, when it happens, immediately start saying, uh-oh, what's wrong with me? Am I getting sick? Is there something out of balance? What's wrong with me? And it may be that it's something right with you because you're paying attention to what's actually happening on our planet. Yeah, it's, a, I think, a sensitivity that maybe we're honing in on yes. that allows us to tune into what's you know, more than what we just see or what we can touch, more than the, the five senses bring us. Yes. That's exactly what Larkma talks about um, when they're speaking about this subject matter. They're saying um, we disagree with how humanity has labeled your five senses and that, that extra sensory perception is labeled as the sixth sense. And they say, we know in how we do what we do out in out in the cosmos, actually, we would call it your first sense, that it's actually the most important sense of all. So instead of putting it at the end of all of our senses and all of our, our abilities to, to know what's going on in our environment, both internally and externally, they want us to switch that and say, it's actually your first sense. It's the most important one to, to use and to look out for. That's amazing because even in human design, astrologically, we talk about body wisdom, but really body wisdom isn't about the five senses. It's about the gut, the uh, intuitive awareness that we've gotten away from over time because we became much more mind oriented, much more in tune with thinking things through instead of really feeling, you know, what is happening by what's going on in our bodies or what we're sensing from the, you know, instinctual or intuitive planes. So we, we really, it, it almost feels like we have to relearn that. So maybe that's part of what's happening too, is to force us into, you know, a position of having to bring that wisdom back to really re-embody it. You had something you wanted well, to say. Well, I, I think that's exactly what's happening, Janet. And it's not just physical things like, like losing our balance or bumping into things. It's also how people are telling us and many others their memories are lapsing or changing. That's exactly what I was going to talk and, about. And <laughs> we, talk, we, we talk about this a lot when, when we're working with LARCMA with the public or when we're writing articles for magazines and journals. And the essence of this, you want to explain it? Well, the essence is that we're supposed to be honing in on that intuitive sense so that we can communicate telepathically, so yeah. that we can be more aware of our environment, and so we can get out of the patterns that are in the mind. Because the thinking that we do generally follows ruts in the mind. Of, well, if this happens, then this happens, then this happens. And when you can't remember what you're doing from one minute to the next, you're forced to stay in the present moment. Forced it's, to. It's frustrating as can be when when we, we think we're going to have a thought and we're in the middle of it and we forget what it is. 
and it's not it's not early onset dementia or Alzheimer's. It's how we're it's how we're changing, because what we thought was important, all these facts and all these these pieces of information that we've collected, we thought we have to keep all these things in order. We have to we have to know what to say or what to do. What we're being shown is a lot of that never mattered in the first place. We were focusing on the wrong things. As you said a moment ago, Janet, we need to relearn to be more cognizant or more aware of our intuitive abilities and our, our gut level understanding. Um, there are so many different theories about how many minds there really are. You know, science says we have a mind in our brain. A lot mm -hmm. of people are saying we have three minds. We have the heart mind and the gut mind. And some people might say, well, don't call it the gut mind, call it the will center. But we need to understand that, that there are many parts of us that have information to help us with, and actually, but we're trained, but we're trained to rely on the mental part, right. the intellectual part. And that mm -hmm. this takes me to my soapbox and we don't want to take me there. Believe me, technology, <laughs> technology has taken us, unfortunately, too much down the wrong path. Can I just add one thing? You may. The, talking about the many minds that we have, I wanted to add in that there's one perspective also that each one of our cells has a mind. They Ooh. communicate with each other when we are actually in harmony and in balance and listening to our intuitive self, they're communicating back and forth. But if we're out of balance, out of harmony, not doing what we're supposed to be doing, they don't talk to each other. So part of this memory lapse and this building of our intuition is to get our bodies to function more. Yeah. As they were designed yeah. to function. Yeah. I, I mean, I was chuckling because uh, I'm not necessarily having memory changes, but what goes on when me, I, I'm sitting here trying to do something, work on a project, right? And I go, oh, I need to go get a piece of information. So I open up a new tab to get to some new information that I need to find. But instead, I end up on some news broadcast or, uh, you know, something ca catches my attention and I go there and then I forget what the heck I was doing. Then I'll go back to my project that I'm working on. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's why I went to look yeah. at something. And yeah. there's so many distractions that it's become it's becoming a real problem. I think the world is distracting. Yes. Uh, technology is distracting. Yes. And it does make us feel like, I think at times, like we must be losing something. Of, <laughs> we're losing our minds. Um, but maybe that's it as it should be in order for us to evolve. Absolutely. It's, yes. it's part, it's part of the re-education of figuring out who the heck we are and what's important to us. Yeah. Even the animals are behaving badly. My neighbor's cat, dude, who you just saw on my dresser over here, um, came in first thing this morning and started beating up my cat. So I actually have my shoehorn here because I was going to poke him if he started BS with me. And then I couldn't find my cat. So I thought oh, I locked him out, but then I've also effectively locked her out. So then I re-unlocked it so that she could get in if she was outside. But of course he figured out now he can get in. And he's usually such a sweetheart, but he's just been ugly to her. It's terrible. They, th th this is a really good point to, to bring up and talk about. Animals, in some people's belief systems, are more sensitive than humans. They haven't, they haven't lost their connection to nature or their connection to being alert and alive in their environment. And of course, animals would be affected maybe even more than we humans. That's absolutely the truth. Pia yeah. and I, P and I grew up with horses and dogs. Lot, we had lots of animals yes. around us, mm -hmm. and we noticed turtles. we noticed as children, turtles, turtles, <laughs> birds, cats, dogs. But we noticed we noticed with cats, dogs, and horses that when the weather was going to change, or there was some environmental change other than just weather, especially horses would begin to act up. They would begin to be annoyed. They would begin to be um, altered in the way they would normally be, be reacting with their 
their kind and with humankind. So we think animals are being especially affected by all these changes on Earth, the, whether it's pollution or or whatever's changing. The, the animal kingdom is absolutely being affected. Well, you mentioned uh, something toward the beginning of the show this morning about uh, Earth wobble and uh, how the Earth is changing. So it wouldn't be too surprising then that animals who definitely are more sensitive to change are sensing that that change in the Earth's field of energy, the magnetic field even, is it changing? I mean, yes, that's a possibility yes. as well. Yeah, there's a great there's a great story or analogy about this. Whenever, whenever there's going to be a massive earthquake or a massive tsunami, there are particular species of animals. Um, one of them is elephants. In, in Thailand or Vietnam or Cambodia, where, where there are elephants being used as um, worker helpers to humans, you know, they're, they're, they're being kindly taken care of, but they're also helping us move things, do things. When a tsunami is going to happen, it's been noticed by many people that the elephants retreat from coastal areas. They just vamoose away from water and go into the hills. And lo and behold, a day later or two days later, a tsunami happens. So animals are really, really sensitive and tuned into these natural phenomenon. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I believe that. You know, I just want to take a minute because there's a lot of people popping in here to say hello. And of course, I like to say hello to them back. So good morning to JLo and Kathleen Mallory, Pam Zaruba, Debbie Tibbetts, Tumiel. I'm so glad you're here. It must mean you're home now. And Requiem for a Tuesday. Happy Friday. Christine Buckingham says good morning. Gayla Seeger, good morning. Kajella, good morning. Irene from Sweden joining us this morning. Barbara Doughton, good morning to you. Uh, J-Lo says that her sister that is a Capricorn fell a few times. Interesting because Capricorn is representation of the goat, which is a very sure footed animal, right? We don't think of goats as falling off hillsides. They just don't do that. But this but one's that's um, could it be part of that chart? It's a possibility. Oh, she said her best friend was just diagnosed with cancer. Not surprising. That's going on too. J-Lo says, along with Leo and Sagittarius, Capricorn is noted for its longevity. Capricorn's bones, joints, and knees, however, ruled by Saturn. The planet Saturn rules Capricorn. You're a Capricorn, are you not, uh, Colin? Double moon Double. and sun. Yeah, so the the planet Saturn rules that sign. And so it has everything to do with form and structure and our bones, our muscles, our connective tissues. They're all for what keeps us, you know, being upright and keeping us all together. Otherwise we would just, you know, fall apart. So indeed those things. Uh, Natasha, good morning to you. She says, as you talk, thank you for labeling this overall feeling I have been aware of yet funny. My vertigo has been tamed down. So I guess, I'm grounding differently and it's helping her balance. Probably, you've probably learned something through all of this. And uh, so interesting, the knee, which is a huge part if we fall, should be stable. So kind of interesting. Uh, yeah, it, knees. Knees are ruled by Saturn. So we have, you know, knees, we have joints, we have the conditions like arthritis or uh, rheumatism or... Uh, the gallbladder is also ruled by Saturn. And a, a, one of my friends was uh, having stomach issues. And I asked her yesterday if it was maybe the gallbladder. Could be, who knows, right? Um, now, Pam Zaruba has a question. Any wisdom for opening up more to intuition? Like that could be, we could do a whole show on how to open up more to intuition. What do you guys have to say about that? Well, one thing that I would automatically say is being around water. Being out in nature in general, but especially being around water, because we are water beings, helps us to be more open and to have more information flow through us. So being around water is one really good suggestion. I used to tell my psychology clients when I was practicing, if they wanted to remember their dreams, put a bowl of water by the bed and it would help them yeah. remember their dreams. Yeah. We started noticing years and years ago that if we were doing anything with water, anything, washing the dishes after a meal, washing the car, taking a shower, 
watering the lawn, we would have more intuitive hits, more intuitive things going on while we were working with water. And we tested this and we really realized that, that water, as Pia just said, really does have an influence on our intuition. I believe that because I'll get in the shower and suddenly I'm like um, idea machine. And of course, you know, you can't really take a pen and paper into the shower with you and be ready to, you know, log those ideas. So it, it is interesting that that idea of water and water holds memory as well. So we might even be remembering things from, you know, that intuitive hits that we had er earlier or at some other time. Um, interesting, you brought up turtles, up here. and so um, someone, who was it that said this, that their turtles start to move their rocks at night to the other side. This is J-Lo saying this. Wow. And then Christine says, LOL, my daughter's turtle does that too. At night, they move their rocks from one side to the other. That is funny. Interesting. Um, the elephants picked up people that cared for them up to the hills prior to big storms. That's what Christine Buckingham is saying. Yep. And Debbie says, thank you. I am. She is, she's home and feeling better, I hope. And uh, Requiem for Tuesday, that explains it. I must have Saturn. Well, guess what? All of you have Saturn. <laughs> You don't get away from it. You don't get to just like say, nope, I don't want Saturn in my chart because you have Saturn. And not only do you have Saturn in your birth chart, but he's also transiting, moving through the sign of Aquarius right now. So he's taking on a little bit of a different characteristic than he would typically take on in Capricorn because he's the ruler of both signs, right? He has a traditional rulership over Aquarius, but in the more modern times we ascribe Uranus as the ruler of Aquarius. So now we link Saturn and Uranus. And interestingly enough, the two planets, Saturn and Uranus, are forming a challenging square to one another again, because this is something they've done since, oh, I want to say it was January of 2021 when they first hit that square. Mm -hmm. And then again in and exact, right? So because they don't move very quickly, they, they stay in orb of one another, meaning close enough to be affecting each other um, for a very long period of time. And then they come into exact. That happened in December of 2021. And now we're building to an exact, a close, so close to an exact that I'm calling it exact, um, again in October. So October, I want to say 16th-ish. So we can, we're feeling this building pressure perhaps between the Saturn stable, old traditional way of being and Uranus that is pushing us to rebel, revolve, or <laughs> revolve, <laughs> cause a revolution. I guess that's a revolve yeah, and um, to change. So mm -hmm. we have this, you know, kind of dissonance going on in, in our lives between these two big energies of tradition and new or change, transformation. So I think a lot of that goes along with it, the whole experience and how that becomes individualized is really largely in part due to how your chart is arranged. You know, like for you, Colin, as a Capricorn, Saturn is your ruling planet. So anything Saturn does, wherever Saturn is, is gonna be more affective or effective even in your particular life because he's your ruling planet. Mm -hmm. So, and Pia, I always forget what sign you are. Sagittarius. So and Jupiter is always going to be the planet and possibly, um, you know, she's he is in retrograde moving backwards through Aries and going to go back to the last two degrees of Pisces before he moves forward again. So you may be even being affected uh, by things that you want to reevaluate or things that you want to reimagine. Um, it's interesting just to look at, if we look at each individual planet, the path that they make through our charts. And I'm a Gemini, so Mercury is my ruling planet. So no matter what the uh, Mercury is doing, I'm always going to be affected in some way or shape or form. So uh, that's one thing we have to understand that our, our charts are so many layers that um, even if your 
okay, let's say I I'm a Gemini and let's say Saturn was moving through Gemini, I would be affected by that. Mm-hmm. So again, layers, layers of things that are going on. Uh, so yeah. Uh, can, now, can, can we go back to, well, I don't want to ruin your thought. Go ahead. No, no, no. I was uh, going back to, uh, so yesterday, Tom sent me a message. Now I got to remember how he sent it to me because he wasn't going to be able to join us this morning. And he had a question for you guys. Uh, there you are, Tom. Uh, question for Pia and Cullen. And you are free to set this question on the stove, on the back burner for a minute, if if you had something else to say. Um, can you and Larkma offer any suggestions and or strategies for the next few months? Or is it more of keep doing what you're doing? <laughs> Thank you, he says. Okay, your thought, Cullen, and then we'll address that. Well, well, I, I wanted to go back to intuition. I think the question that was raised about what can we do to increase our intuition, and mm. um, there are so many little tiny details and occurrences that happen to us every day, little thoughts, little little nudges, little symbols, little clues. We're bombarded every day with all of these little pieces that come to us, whether it's from our mind, from our our psyche, from our subconscious, from outward possibilities from other people or other situations. But what I want to talk about just briefly is we generally don't take the time to look at these pieces of information that come to us. And if we do, it's our intuition speaking to us. We, we can monitor all of these little messages that come to us all day long, and they do in people's dreams sometimes too. But one way to increase our intuitive abilities is to be aware of these little messages that come to us. And they can be simple things like, oh, that can't be true. Why am I thinking of that? That, that must be something else. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not involved with that, or that's not interesting to me. But if we look a little bit deeper and if we listen a little bit more thoroughly, these pieces of information can help guide us. And they happen, as I said, all day long. And we just need to either be quiet enough or slowed down enough to recognize what these pieces of information are. And we often just say, oh, that can't be true or that does has nothing to do with me. But often those little messages do indeed have something to do with us. There's another way of dealing with intuition also. And I'll get a little personal here, but oftentimes I will do something or say we need to do something. And Colin will say, why? And I'll say, I have no idea. And maybe an hour later or maybe two days later, I'll say, oh, this is why we had to do that certain thing. And he'll go, that makes sense. So it's not always a conscious thing. In fact, most of the time, I think it's not a conscious thing. It's just following following what feels right in the moment, not thinking about it, but going with the feeling. Yeah, I I have a tiny example. Years ago, a long, long time ago, I kept walking by a fireplace mantle and there was a piece of art, a, a little sculpture, pretty close to the edge of the mantle. And I saw it several days in a row and I had the inclination to move it back away from the edge. Um, I had cats and dogs and other animals that, that could have jumped and knocked that little piece of sculpture off. I didn't listen but I kept getting the message, maybe you should move this. I didn't do anything. I didn't do anything. I came home one day and this beautiful little sculpture was on the floor broken. If I had listened many times for days on end, (laughs) moved it back away from the edge. I don't know if a cat did it or the wind did it. It doesn't really matter, but it doesn't matter. You you were getting the message. I wasn't listening to that message, and it was hitting me like a two by four up against the head. I could have listened, but I didn't. Once that happened, I started being much more careful in my life mm. to watch and listening to these little nudges or these little these little pieces of information. 
Now, yeah. to address Tom's question, I think that the dynamic tension that the universe is giving us with these squares, oppositions, everything that's going on right now, I think the idea of just keep on what you're doing is absolutely the wrong direction to go. <laughs> <laughs> I would say you're right. This dynamic tension is about breaking the patterns and doing something different. And right. often that is proven to us by we will try really hard to be nice or do something really good for somebody. And we're thinking that we're doing the right thing by being kinder than usual, more helpful than usual. And it backfires. And the reason why is because maybe we've been too helpful, too kind, too taking care of the other person all along. And what we're supposed to be doing is saying, no, you handle that. It's your responsibility. It's your responsibility. Right. Yeah. So yeah. 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 Keeping on with what we're doing is the wrong track to take, Tom. I think changing and applying new techniques and trying them to see what happens by following what we're talking about here, following the intuitive guidance, following what you haven't tried before. I think that's the, the pathway we're supposed to be working with. And, and you just said this, Pia, a key to this is utilizing our intuition because mm. if it's doing the same thing day after day after day, whether it's in relationship, whether it's our job, whatever it might be, if we continue to be in a pattern or a rut, nothing's going to change. But if we listen and if we're willing to make changes, and they can be tiny little incremental changes, but if we're willing to make changes in what comes to us, that will help us be able to cope with and deal with what is coming and how the world is changing every day, every day, every day. Staying static and, and not making changes or just doing the same old rote behaviors is going to keep us in the same box. It's not going to allow us to move forward or sideways, up or down. We need to make movement. And it's all there for us. It's, it's right there. And it's not just about what we do either. It's what are we thinking? What are we feeling? Do we want to stay stuck in this feeling place of, oh, gosh, I did that wrong. I should do something different. Or do we want to pick ourselves up and go, well, that didn't work so well. Let's try something else. <laughs> you know, <laughs> doing the same thing over and over and expecting a new result is called insanity. Yes. And interestingly enough, the planet Pluto, which is the planet of empowerment, but also transformation, and, and he represents change, um, is sitting at a gate in human design where the lowest energy is psychosis, akin to insanity. And um, it's that same thing that you're talking about. We have to approach things in a new way, right? Yeah. We have to become empowered and come from a place of power. Uh, someone said magic is everywhere. Gala. Gala said magic is everywhere. Well, the highest expression of the gate that Pluto is sitting at is magic and wonder. The awe of being able to live life um, in concert with our intuition or with nature or with uh, uh, being able to, to sense and not necessarily just use the mind. And it does fall in the head center, which is you know, in human design, if you're looking at a human design chart, which I do not have one sitting here, um, you see it's the only center that's partway in the body, but also partway above. Mm -hmm. So it acts as sort of this antenna to bring us in that intuitive awareness or the inspiration to do things differently. <laughs> but we are creatures of habit. So one thing I would say that goes along with what you've been saying there is to follow your discomfort. Mm -hmm. Right. Yes. Yes. That where yes. is that taking you? Yes, absolutely. And that that's why our society is so filled with addictions, because people don't want to follow their pain. People don't want to follow the the faults that they know they have, but they really don't want to look at or work on it. The addictive quality of of just about everything in our society. And we could include <clears throat> technology here, folks. Um, <laughs> uh, it is an addiction. Yeah, it is. And it absolutely is. But, but aside from that, most people are absolutely uncomfortable with looking into their 
disorganized way of, of living, their, their, their unhappy makeup of, of how they're living their life, how they're doing what they're doing. And if we don't look at that discomfort, if we don't look at those frailties, if we don't look behind the curtain, we're going to continue, as we both, all three of us have been saying, we're going to keep doing the same old stuff over and over again. We must look at what doesn't work instead of always thinking, well, I'm going to follow the path of what works because that'll make me happy. <laughs> that's, that's a terrible illusion trap. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And interestingly enough, I've been doing this work on um, manifesting. Uh, it's called the, the Soul Manifesting Blueprint. And one of the things that we have sort of been taught, or at least it's the thoughts been planted in our head is that we all manifest or create in the same way, but we don't, no. right? There are so many different combinations of ways in which that we are creators, your way different from my way, different from all of the listeners in the background here today. And one size doesn't fit all, but we all have that skill of intuition in various degrees, right? It's not that if you are very intuitive that you've used your gift in a way that's better than others. It's that you've just been more aware of it in your life, but we all have that intuition. And when we are following that intuition, we tend to be in the right place at the right time with the right people and the right opportunities. Yep. And even if it's uncomfortable for us to be there, but mm -hmm. we're following some inner inclination and we end up with a jewel box, right? A treasure chest of, of things that we might not have been uh, in alignment with before because we were just following what we've always done. Yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. You know, it's interesting I think we've talked about this on your show before, um, but I'll bring it up again just just briefly. It's been said that intuition is is only the domain of women. It's this has been said for eons of time, and it's really a myth that needs to be busted because, as you said just a moment ago, Janet, everybody is intuitive, and men can be just as intuitive as women and it's it's been it's been really really misaligned in the understanding that that women have the special faculty because of their nurturing nature and because of lots of things about women that that intuition would be simply part of that package that they have and they own and it, it could be nothing further from the truth men have the capability of being just as intuitive as women it's part of the makeup of of mixing, mixing and melding the divine feminine and the divine masculine together to create a better whole in each person. And I can tell you that, that many men that I know are quite intuitive. They, they use their intuitive abilities just, just as easily and just possibly as helpfully as women do. And I would have to say, I am fortunate enough to live with the most intuitive person I've ever met. <laughs> and you have to be a man, <laughs> masculine. Yes. Uh, what's funny about that is that uh, everybody on the planet has a spleen in, in, the, in the body, but also in their body graph and human design. And it's the center for intuition. And what made us believe, I think, that women were more intuitive is because the divine feminine is focused inward and yep. is more in tune with the inner world where the masculine is pushing outward, is more in the externalized expression. So the, the, it's a possibility that in the in the doingness that the the masculine energy became less intuitive or was it that they just changed the name of it and it became instinct or gut instinct or yeah. my gut says. So yeah. it gave us this illusion that they weren't as intuitive, but that is, yeah. In my household, my husband is the one who is probably more intuitive. Well, his spleen is defined. He's definitely more intuitive than me. And 
the other day we were driving somewhere and he was like, should I get on the freeway or should I just go through town? And I'm saying, go through town, go through town. He's like, but my intuition is saying, get on the freeway. And I said, this is the time you listen to your wife's intuition. And <laughs> voila, mine was right. There was a big traffic jam on the freeway if he'd gotten on that way. So, I mean, the, the whole point of that is that we all have that intuition and sometimes, um, what we are discounting in someone else is really what we should be listening to. Absolutely. Absolutely. But, yeah. but there's another, there's another part of this that you just brought up uh -huh. because males are generally, and I, and I'm using that word loosely, generally <laughs> thought of as, as the outward, the, 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 the seeing things outwardly, the, the dealing with things outwardly. That's true to a certain extent, but because of that ability that, that many males have, that could also allow more intuition to come to them because they're out there doing things, seeing things, and possibly that is a hook for more intuitions to come to them because maybe they're more available in certain instances that they would be able to have their antennae up from the outside reaching to see and feel these intuitions. Yeah. And I think that was really true before the time of the mind, right? When we yes. got to that scientific age where everything became more mechanistic and became more mind oriented, yep. then we began not just masculine, but also the feminine began to lose that connection to that inner voice. And now, you know, we've done ourselves a big disservice by, by doing that. It's time to reincorporate that uh, inner inner voice, if you will, intuition, instinct back into our decision-making processes. But we also have to know that for some people, intuition can be more situational. So in a situation, it's telling you something, mm -hmm. um, but that you may be more emotionally defined and it's your emotions that are really telling you information on direction in your life. So we just have to know ourselves and how it is that we're designed to interact with uh, that outer world. Yep, definitely. And, and I, I think it's pretty easy to notice that more and more people are waking up. Yes. And I think they're waking up because they're listening to their intuition. Something's not right in the world and they feel it and they're just going, okay, there's got to be something more. So they're yep. on the lookout. Yep. yep. Yeah. Now, Pia, you were chatting with me a little bit this morning about what is coming up. I think it's on Monday, our Monday, um, one catalyzing energy. And I think you said that that was also where we began the year. Yes. It's so actually tell us more about yeah. that. It's coming in on sunset on Sunday evening is when it actually comes because the energies always change at sunset. The first full day in that energy will be Monday. Okay. The catalyzing energy is how we started this whole year on January 1st. So it sort of set the tone for what the year is going to bring. So right here in Mercury Retrograde, we're having a chance to revisit what were we doing at the beginning of the year and what did we fail to do that we needed to do at the beginning of the year. Now, the interesting thing about catalyzing energy is that it has it's like a lightning bolt. It has the ability to cut through all the illusion <laughs> and we feel it. We definitely feel it. So if we utilize this properly, we can become catalysts ourselves to help break through some of these patterns we've been talking about. If we ignore it, that lightning bolt might knock us to our knees. So it's a really, really potent energy. And in combination with what we were talking about, about the Earth's wobble, the Venus phase of immersion and going inward, being in catalyzing Earth energy for 13 days is a really good opportunity in Mercury retrograde to go backwards and look what was happening at the beginning of the year. Where did we fail to become the catalyst we can be? Where did we not catalyze the situation that we needed to? Where did we catalyze too much? trying to be too forceful. All of this bears looking at again. All of you guys want to say? Well, it's just interesting that what P is talking about happened at the beginning of this year. And here we are near the end of this year and we're being given this second opportunity mm -hmm. to do this work, to, to re-examine what 
could have happened if we had made different choices. Go ahead. Go ahead. The other thing that's really interesting about this particular period of catalyzing energy is we're experiencing an equinox right in the middle of it. So equinoxes always trigger seasonal changes. That's the marker for the earth that we're moving into another season. Doesn't matter what right. hemisphere we're in. So if we take that to a personal level or even a collective level for humanity, what season are we being pushed towards by this catalyzing energy? What season of our lives, what season of our evolution is catalyzing energy, encouraging us to move towards? Hmm. It's funny, I just looked ahead to uh, my daughter's wedding day, which is on October 2nd. It's one choosing. Ah, that's good. <laughs> auspicious. It is auspicious. And it's also the day that uh, Mercury changes back to direct motion yes. But yes. early in the morning and her wedding's at four in the afternoon. So, uh, which is not sunset yet. So it'll still be one choosing instead of that's the true. next day, which would be two exploring. A much lighter more joyful kind of energy choosing where we recognize the power of our choice where we recognize that we do make a difference so we really need to utilize this catalyzing energy for the next 13 days to see if we can discover what what's our power what do we need to do don't be stuck anymore refuse to be stuck refuse to feel defeated well, when I think about it, one catalyzing in the Mayan calendar would have been one um, earthquake, which the word escapes me at the moment, but um, that in their time period was a time of shaking up, right? A time of, well, of big changes. Their earthquake energy was Kaban, but that's, Kaban. Not, that's not catalyzing energy. Oh, that, what was catalyzing? Cock. Uh, Cock is catalyzing energy. That comes oh. first. So we're in a Western energy of catalyzing. And uh -huh. then we move into, from there, we move into uh, an enlightening energy, which is Southern, which would have been uh, a how they called it in the Mayan terminology. And mm -hmm. then we move from there into another Eastern energy, but not Kaban. We're not in the Kaban framework yeah so if it was co-op then that was the symbol of the thunderstorm yes 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 yeah. exactly which is more in alignment with the lightning we're talking about that right lightning of... yeah it was kind of a, a oh. picture of a big storm clouds and yeah. rain coming down i find it interesting that the western energies oftentimes bring things through our intuition they bring forth changes whether we want them or not so this is a really potent time to get in touch with how we participate with the changes that are going to happen, whether we like it or not, and to get in touch with how we can be part of it through the choices we make. Yeah, interesting stuff. So catalyzing energy, taking us back to that first week in January, was it actually January 1st where it began? Which is highly unusual. Bad I wonder if I wrote anything on my calendar. Yeah. People could look back at their calendars or their day planners or their uh, journal entries and see, you know, what they might have been uh, putting out there into the world. Interesting. That was also the shift of a Venus cycle. Yeah. So I came in on January 1st at sunset. Here's the calendar yeah. for those people who want to look. You can see that January 1st is here. Go that way to your left. Yep. Right there. January 1st. And uh -huh. the energy came in at sunset. And then that would have brought us to uh, the crescent moon, it looks like, or new moon. And new, new moon. New moon. New moon. Venus Catalyze. base change, one catalyzing. Yep, exactly. That's a lot. That is a lot of energy all compacted in one small space. Yep. Yeah, and, and that was craziness. was transition. So... You know, we have been set up by the universe to take advantage of all these opportunities to do things differently. <laughs> so we can sit here and whine and suffer or we can go, I'm going to get through this. I refuse to be defeated. It's, it's really interesting. We've talked about this many times with you before, but there are no coincidences with this calendrical system. It, these things happen exactly in, in this Pleiadian astrological system exactly when they are supposed to 
Looking, looking retroactively, we can go, oh my God, look at what happened on that day. It was perfect. It was <laughs> absolutely what needed to take place. And it may not feel like it at the time. No. But absolutely perfect. But but we marveled at this. We worked with this system for years before we brought it to the public. We wanted to be sure it made sense and we wanted to be sure people would understand it. And we were amazed at how these synchronicities and how these these so-called coincidences would crop up on a regular basis to show us that this energetic system really, really does make sense. Yeah. I I wonder because that day I was driving home from Disneyland. We were supposed to have flown, but our flights got canceled. So we ended up driving down and I was driving home that day with five of us in a car, three of which had COVID. Mm-hmm. I never got it. And my daughter who was with me, we never got it. But my husband ended up with it. I guess there were six of us in the car. And uh, yeah, I don't want every, th- no, we're not wanting to repeat that one in our family. So, <laughs> but what it did was create a change in how we were all interacting for at least the time being. Yes. As, you know, everybody had to to quarantine and yeah, it was it was funny, but I don't want to do that now. Thank you very much. You don't have to. You've already <laughs> no. had the experience. It doesn't need to repeat itself. No repeats, please. Uh, now, let's look at October a little bit. I know next month we'll actually be able to dive deeper into it. But I just by chance turned the calendar to look at October and was quite shocked at all. <laughs> I, I shouldn't be because October is always a month in our human design where the sun is moving through all the gates on the spleen center, which is the center of time, health, intuition, but they also can trigger fears because the gates are all in the shadows are all fears. And so I'm looking at October going partial solar eclipse, full moon, new moon, that's usual, a Venus phase change, a Venus sign change or a uh, uh, point change. And a collective shadow cycle begins. I think we should do a whole show on what's happening with Venus and how Venus in the Pleiadian Earth energy system really has a lot to say and then pull in what Venus is doing from the Western perspective with the human design and do a whole show about Venus in October. I And do you think if we do it at the regular time, so we would meet on the 21st, mm-hmm. 70 illuminating, okay. that's a great that day. That would be the day before the Venus star change and the Venus phase change. So we can sort of let people know what to look out for, what to experience. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. So on the 21st, that's what we'll plan on doing is the the entire show we'll do on Venus and Venus phase change. Phase change. And what did you call it when she's changing from? So she's moving to Libra. Venus, Venus star change and Venus phase change and the Pleiadian perspective of why Venus is so important to us here on Earth. That's a little different from the Western perspective of Venus, either in our natal chart or moving through transit. It's a little different. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So look forward to that, everybody out there. Uh, now, we only have a few minutes left, so if, unless there's something else you two want to talk about or that Larkma has uh, given you to, to chat with us about, I want to talk a little bit about the weekend's transits because there are a couple of upsetting, upsetting <laughs> as usual, uh, kind of energies. And we start the weekend with the moon in Gemini. So one of my favorite placements of the moon, because we get to have these conversations. We get to talk about possibilities. We see things from a more curious point of view. Like, I wonder what would happen if I went left instead of right. I wonder what would happen if, right? And then we choose maybe something a little different. So the moon's providing that for us both today and tomorrow as well. And then on Sunday, the moon early, early in the morning, uh, my time, so a little after midnight, uh, moves into Cancer. And that brings things back home right back to family and our traditions. It's very emotional. It's emotional water. So we have um, the possibility of 
you know, deeper connection with one another, but also emotional ups or downs during the ending day of the weekend. Now, from the perspective of planetary motion, uh, because of the time, I'm, I'm just going to talk about the two biggies, uh, Venus squaring Mars today. And to me, this is creative energy, Venus and Mars, when they come together in any way, shape or form, it, it tends to bring up some kind of creative, uh, if it's an impulse or creative ability, uh, but it's also filled with tension. So the tension between the divine masculine and the divine feminine, and it's that tension that often drives or breaks into some kind of creative energy. So be watchful for that. It's probably something that's already been on its way into your awareness um, tomorrow or today is the actual square. And then we have probably the next couple of days as they move apart from one another. At the same time that's happening, we also have the sun in an opposition to Neptune. So that is a time of introspection, or at least introspection is more favored than, you know, doing things outwardly. But we can also attempt to move forward in some way, and then it gets met with confusion or in some kind of um, uh, disillusionment. So we may have to slow things down. Like if we have this creative engine running, but yet we have this sun in opposition to Neptune, we may have to take baby steps, you know, slowing down our creative energy just a bit so that we can see what the impact is of each of the changes that we make. And then on Saturday, well, we have as well today, the moon conjunct Mars. That's emotional blowups. I, I don't think there's anything I can leave out here. Um, so watch for <laughs> confrontation or conflict. Uh, the moon, when it comes into contact with Mars, can bring up uh, the potential for saying or doing things that we didn't mean to say or do, or what we say or do gets misinterpreted by the other person. So be very mindful of how you're out there in the world, how you're interacting with people, uh, because you'd never know what might be the trigger that causes a blow up for you or for another person. Tomorrow, Saturday, we end up with the moon in a square to the sun. It is the closing square. We had the full moon last Saturday. This Saturday, that means we are in the last quarter moon. It is a crisis of consciousness, right? It's a crisis point in our uh, round of intention setting that started back with the new moon. And now we're at a point in that cycle where we might have to change something up here. We might have to think differently. We might have to look at our beliefs or our philosophies about what it is that we were trying to create in a new way. So uh, it, if anything is blocking you, it's not the actions that you're taking, but your beliefs, right? You might believe that you are blocked in some way. You might believe that you're limited by something. You might believe any number of things or be thinking in a pattern that brings that up to the surface. So that is most of what is going on tomorrow. And on Sunday, Mercury in retrograde will oppose Jupiter. I kind of like this one. This is a time for us, you know, Sunday, the moon will be uh, transitioned into Cancer. So it does, you know, bring the energy into a little bit more of an internalized focus. And it might be a great time to refine ideas. So if you have an idea, and I, I have like all of these things running through my head right now, moon's in, I mean, Mars is in Gemini, so it's already triggering a lot of ideas for uh, everybody. Um, so refine the big ideas, right? Refine them, distill them down. It's a process after all, right? This isn't, you know, uh, doing something in one moment and it being completed. This is the process of honing in on what it is that you want to do. So refining and reimagining and reworking or reevaluating all of those re-re words come up on Sunday uh, as we are, you know, looking at our bigger picture and what are the little steps that are going to take us to that end result. So there we go. Uh, J-Lo, funny you said that, Janet. I started fixing some paperwork because I felt I would need it. P pow, the feeling hit when I received a text from a Pisces. That's interesting. Which my son sits in in the 12th. It's hidden, indeed. 
Um, let me see if there are any other questions before we leave. Pam Zaruba says, yep, she lives with three highly intuitive manifesting generator guys. Very busy household. Lots of masculine energy running around. Uh, let's see, Natasha, uh, as I'm dealing with a lot of grief, I am always reminded about by the universe that this is a time to feel, to awaken and crack open this metaphorical egg of my deeper self. Hmm, that is deep. We could unpack that one, Natasha, uh, because I think that is something big that's going on with a lot of people right now. All right. So that is it for us today. Thank you, Pia and Colin, for being here with me. I'm looking forward to next month, the 21st, when we meet again to talk more about Venus. Thank you all for joining us today. Please, if you're watching on YouTube, hit the thumbs up for the video if you liked us. And if you would like to subscribe and find out more about when I'm coming on air, please hit that subscribe. If you are on Facebook, hit the thumbs up. No, on Facebook, it's a like. Hit the like. And please share the video with your friends and family. Thank you so much for being here. See you on Monday. Bye for now. Thanks, Pia and Colin.